Hello and welcome to the Post Status Draft podcast. My name is Brian Krogsgaard and I'm the editor of Post Status. And today we're introducing something new now that it's the new year. I'm joined by a new regular co-host, Mr. Brian Richards of WP Sessions. Hey, Brian. Hey, everybody. So we are going to uh, get back to regular shows here. And towards the end of the year, especially things were uh, pretty hit and miss with regards to the podcast, which isn't what we want, want regular shows. Um, Joe and I have been doing the podcast for a couple years now, and uh, it's been great. And Joe is still probably going to host some shows, but for any time that either Joe is not here or uh, we don't have a guest lined up, Mr. Brian Richards is going to be my regular co-host, and we've got a weekly meeting scheduled. And unless uh, we cancel that for some other guest, then Brian will be the host. So I'm really happy for Brian, uh, who's a very good friend of mine, to uh, step up and help me fill that space. So Brian, I appreciate you appreciate you being a new regular contributor to Post Status Draft. Hey, it's my pleasure. I have no problem playing second fiddle to anybody. <laughs> You're no second fiddle. Uh, this is, this is a multi-piece band. Um, so I think a lot of people probably know you from whatever you've done in the community over the years, which is a lot. And I thought it would be good for, uh, new and old listeners alike to be able to get an idea of kind of where you come from so that they'll know your basis as we talk about, uh, different items every week. So today is going to be kind of a classic interview show, but interviewing the new host. So I'm going to interview Brian today, and we're going to learn about his history, what he's done, what he's doing, and um, get that get that story out of you. So why don't you start by giving a basic introduction of what you're uh, doing today, because some people may not know. So what's your, yeah. what's your day-to-day right now? Perfect. So today I'm recording a podcast, but my, <laughs> my normal day-to-day is to produce WordPress training. So I run WPSessions.com, uh, which I'm thinking is where most people will have heard my name or, or know who I am. Uh, and there I bring about lots of other awesome speakers to share their presentations, um, things that I wouldn't otherwise be able to see or many people wouldn't be able to see because maybe they were only delivered at a local meetup or a, or a WordCamp or the person's time is just so super exclusive that it's hard to hear from them otherwise. Uh, in addition to that, I also record training there myself. Uh, I provide it both publicly through WPSessions.com and privately to uh, teams and individuals, um, which I sell through WPSessions.com, but it happens, obviously, uh, not on the site. Um, and most of my day now is spent uh, researching things to record for training or recording that training or editing that training for publication. Um, how long have you been full-time on WP Sessions? Uh, it'll be a year in June. And prior to WP Sessions, I sold my time doing development work. Uh, I have been doing WordPress development since 2007, uh, so for over 10 years now. Um, and I've been doing uh, web design and development in general since 1998. So I'm closing <laughs> in on 20 years of just general web development. And yeah, I still I know I've practically seen, nothing. I think I've seen either a demo or an old picture of one of your first web app style things you built of like some kind of Photoshop mock website. Oh, 
Oh, yeah. My, my precursor to getting into online training. I had registered the domain photoshopkid.com <laughs> right after I got in college, and I designed the layout to match, I think it was probably Photoshop CS3 at the time. And so I used the layers palette as my main navigation. And so when you click on whatever page you wanted to look at, the little visibility eyeball icon would show that that page and nothing else. And you can move the tool palette around. And it was pretty fun to make and show off. Nice. Uh, with WP Sessions, you talked about the training and uh, the VIP section. What about the limited catered training that you do for big institutions? Is that something that you're still doing? It is, yeah. This was an idea that came to me, I think it was at Pressnomics a couple of years ago. I was talking to a bunch of different agency owners and uh, recognized that there's this common thread that I'd experienced myself working in agencies, leading teams of, it's a hard, it's, it's really hard to keep everybody on the same page to, to make sure that your advanced devs and your entry-level devs all know the important things that they need to know to get their job done, right? Even, even a simple concept like WP Query that needs to get used over and over again across a WordPress site, there are things there that even devs who have been working with WordPress like me for 10 years still don't know. Uh, I, I routinely or if they're a developer, but they're not familiar with WordPress as a framework. Bingo. Yeah. And so I recognize that there are a bunch of teams who are, who are looking to keep their team members engaged, to increase what they could do. And so I started talking to a few agencies and I piloted it um, more than a year ago now to just see, like, is this a service I could provide where I show up virtually, say, once or twice a month and provide some sort of catered presentation to what it is that your team needs to know in that moment? Uh, at that time, the REST API was still just being added to core. Uh, people weren't too familiar with WPCLI. And so there were a lot of new topics that I was able to just show up as the teams needed to know them and sort of provide just-in-time training. And then last year, I expanded that to provide training to um, institutions that have development teams in-house that have just inherited WordPress sites uh, who have zero experience working with WordPress. So I was showing them, so here are some of the core components of WordPress, and let's map your existing PHP experience to what it's like to write PHP for WordPress or your JavaScript experience and things like that. So in addition to the VIP side of things, people can go to wsessions.com slash teams and uh, onboard to train their whole team with you. And you've been a... Uh, I guess a lead developer, director of technology, kind of worked your way up through the ranks from a beginner developer. Where all have you been and played around and what have, uh, yeah, to, to kind of get you to where you are now to be able to train other developers? Yeah, so it has been a long and fun journey. Um, if we go all the way back to the beginning when I was first learning HTML and CSS, or actually just HTML, CSS wasn't really uh, a thing that... Just, uh, just inline styles. Yeah, um, is using JavaScript for rollover effects and things like that because um, everything was basically in its infancy back then. Um, I started right away building sites for other people, made my first commercial site in, in high school. I charged $40 for that, <laughs> and the customer was like, no way, I can't pay you that little. Here's $100. i am like, oh, my gosh, I made 100 bucks for this thing. That's awesome. And... Uh, and that's when I realized, like, maybe I could do this as a career. And so uh, when you I went to college... You were thinking about in high school. 
Yeah, I was doing that in high school. Uh, when I went away to college, I didn't want to study web design there because I, I just had this feeling that they would be teaching things that I'd already learned like six years ago. And it wouldn't be until probably the end of my four years there that they finally got to the stuff that I was learning now. Like, I'm not going to waste my time on that. Let me go study marketing and graphic design. Ended up instead getting a, a degree in photography, which was a lot of fun if you want to go to college and, and not have to do a whole lot of homework. Um, and then... All throughout college and afterwards, I supported myself doing web design, selling, selling that. Uh, in college, I found WordPress and realized that I could build sites that my clients could update, or even if they couldn't or didn't want to, I could update their sites much more quickly than modifying HTML. Where and was then, WordPress at the time? Do you remember what version see. it was? Yeah, so that would be WordPress 2.3 is where I found it. Yeah, it was beautiful. That's like pre-widgets, post-themes. Yeah. Plugins yeah. The, existed, maybe? Uh, static pages were a thing. I think plugins uh, had just come out. Plugins were a thing. Widgets were just coming into core. Yeah, I don't think they were quite in core yet in 2.3, but maybe I'm wrong. It was a long time ago. It, it yeah, wasn't it was, the WordPress you see today. No, no, it was not. So uh, I fell in love. Uh, I re, it was introduced to me as a blogging platform, obviously, and like, well, yeah, I don't. I'm not. I'm not building blogs. I've. I've no reason to use WordPress for the stuff that I'm doing. And I slowly started to notice that all of the sites I had been looking at were WordPress. They. They. You know, they had powered by WordPress in their footer. I'm like these sites don't look anything like each other. And this one's definitely not a blog. Maybe I should give this a second look. So it was probably around, I'd say October or November of 2007 that I first installed WordPress and started hacking around, pulled down a theme, started changing it to to match my own. Um, aesthetics, uh, converted the photoshopkit.com design that I made into a WordPress.com or a WordPress theme. And in fact, I think I still have that somewhere probably. I bet I could find that Photoshop-based uh, theme, dust it off and put it on the site today. Huh. Uh, so I have, to, I have to interrupt just to give a feature listing of WordPress 2.3. Yes. Um, the, top, the top feature development was tags, which were introduced in 2.3. Yes, and I remember that because I had a hard time. I'm like, Okay, I'm seeing all these tutorials about how to add tags to WordPress. Tags are here. We've yeah. got them. And then uh, update notifications, canonical URLs. Um, so that was when uh, canonical URLs were interested. And then pending review status and the kitchen sink. The now infamous kitchen sink button in the editor was introduced in WordPress 2.3. Man, I can't imagine a world without it. Now it's been a long time. So yeah. when was your first like WordPress agency development job? Yeah, so that happened in, let's see, so I found it in 2007. It's probably 2009 or, no, sorry. Uh, I, I spent a stint there as a, operating as a commercial theme shop. I almost forget about that part of my history. I created... Oh, yeah, Startbox, right? Yep, Startbox, which was, um, I dubbed it the revolutionary new framework because... It was. It could be a parent theme. It could be a starter theme, depending on what you wanted to do. And it came with a ton of functionality for building sane option pages. It was kind of like Theme Hybrid or Genesis in a way. Yeah, it was somewhere right between the two of those, I think. Yeah, a little bit of a framework with a lot of hooks and filters and actions and, uh, well, the features of those that existed at the time. Yep. And then it had that settings framework that you're talking about, right? Yep. I go. used it. It was nice. No. Oh, wow. How about that? Um, so after I spent a couple of years working on that, I joined forces with Web Dev Studios, um, and they are still family to me. I love that. Um, and that would have been, 
probably right around 2012, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, I was also co-organizing uh, WordCamp Grand Rapids at that point. So we did 2012, 13, and 14. And then I passed on the mantle to essentially nobody after that. Uh, I passed it on to some people who disappeared, and then it got picked up again. Uh, and now Kate DeRosia is running that quite successfully. She did an awesome job bringing it back last year. And uh, we're already talking about what's coming for 2018. And I'm very excited there. She's got a lot of really good ideas. Um, cool. But yeah, right around in 2012, I joined up with Web Dev Studios, and I spent a couple of years there, and then eventually left to focus on WP Sessions more. Which was, and you were a lead developer of yep. one of their teams? Yep. I graduated from just joining the team to becoming a lead developer of one of two teams there. I think I was one of seven or eight people when I joined, and then leading a team of seven or eight when I left. Um, and leaving was definitely one of the hardest things, one of the hardest choices I made. But I recognized that if I didn't put any attention towards WP Sessions, I might never, never realize that opportunity. And I would regret, regret that more than I would regret leaving, which so far has been true. I, I do miss my team and my family at Web Dev Studios, but I'm so glad that I gave WP Sessions a shot. Uh, however, I misstepped when I, when I left, didn't plan out my runway properly, and WP Sessions didn't reach a point where it could actually pay a living salary. Couldn't pay for my mortgage or groceries or anything else. So um, I ended up joining forces with Crowd Favorite for a couple of years. Started out as a contractor, moved into a, a dev, then a team lead, and then eventually stepping into the director of technology role, running all of the development at Crowd Favorite. And I learned a lot of really interesting and amazing things there as well. For yeah, they were doing, working on some large projects. Yeah. Um, doing some very, very big enterprise-grade stuff. Learned a ton about uh, pitching and selling huge projects, like putting together proposals in the realm of 250 to 300K. Uh, so that was an incredible experience. And through that, it combined with my experience of leadership at, um, at Web Dev Studios, I learned quite a bit about uh, managing effective teams, hiring for a good team fit, finding... Um, finding the right set of skills. Um, and that, of course, came with uh, a lot of mistakes as well, learning as I'm going. But uh, it, it provided a, a lot of fantastic insight for what I needed to do on WP Sessions to be able to better educate and train people, which is where now I'm thrusting my focus today. Cool. So what I like about all this uh, in terms of uh, bringing you on to help host this show is that as people can tell, you've gained a wealth of knowledge on a wide array, wide array of topics within the web development world. So you should be able to bring development expertise when that's uh, necessary and required, but also uh, when we dig into other topics, whether it's project management or, or sales or um, generally pitching yourself or conference-related stuff, whatever it is, I feel confident that you'll be able to bring um a great deal of, of knowledge there. So how does that, all that experience, how does that cycle into the way you approach, um, the way you teach? So you bring in a lot of people, like your, your typical customer at WP Sessions. Uh, well, let's start. Who is your typical customer at WP Sessions? Yeah, so my typical customer is, uh, and I'm a little out of date. I'm sending out a new customer survey so I can make sure I've got a, a good finger on the pulse here. But 
uh, in general, I would say that my typical customer is either an existing developer or a budding developer. So someone who's been working with WordPress to build sites commercially for profit and is either very familiar with how to assemble sites to find the right plugins and themes and, and put everything together, get it online, you know, knows all of the basic workings of domains and hosting, uh, or uh, further along, someone who has been writing their own code, building their own plugins, creating their own themes from scratch. And uh, within that group, I've got the full gamut of people who are super duper well experienced and working at agencies like Human Made and TenUp and Web Dev Studios and or crowd favorites. Slew such. of local agencies or what, whatever. Right. Using or, yep. Or a slew of local agencies or who are just breaking in, right? They've, they've just crossed over from, I can install a plugin and create a site to, now I need to make a custom plugin. And I'm, I'm just figuring that out. Um, so how do you approach, um, like, f- even discovering what topics you want to address with WP Sessions then? Yeah, so uh, as you can imagine, with having almost 20 years of experience working on the web, I have a wealth of experiences to draw from to go, I think more people need to know this. And so a couple of years ago, I put together this sort of master curriculum of, well, here are all of the things that I know. And if I want to clone myself, which is the ultimate goal, so that I can have more of me to refer projects to, what, what does that person need to know so I can give them more work? So I can confidently say, here's a project. I would like you to do it. And this curriculum was enormous, right? It covered everything from design to development to business to marketing and because I know, you know, a, a, a little bit about a great many things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then I started saying, like, okay, if someone has learned all of this, if they've, if they've gone through, you know, development 101, 102, 103, and they've, they've mastered this tree of, of the curriculum, what sort of things could they make? And so then I started writing, like, well, here are some sample projects that a person should be able to do after each of these stages. And then after presenting this curriculum to my mastermind, some wise people pointed out, we should start at the end and show people, here's what you can know how to make. Here's, here's the end result of your knowledge. And then just start there and backfill with all of the things that they need to know. And at the end of that, you'll not only have, here are the end results of things you can make, but here are all of the things that you need to learn in order to make them. And that jived really well with how I learn things. Whenever I'm trying to learn a new skill, I, I look at like, what is something I can make with this skill? Okay, how did a person make this? Okay, well, I don't understand that. What, what does that mean? Um, woodworking is a good example of this. I want to know, like, how did they make these cabinets? Okay, so they did this. What's a data? Okay, so with the data, I need to cut this. And it's so just deeper and deeper. Right, and you go all the way back. Something to the, that looks like a wooden box is yeah. much more than a wooden box. Yeah, it's like, okay, so oak trees typically grow in this fashion, <laughs> the grain pattern and the way that they're cut at the mill. Yeah. Um, and so, anyway, so I, I draw from all of these things that I've learned, and uh, I'm, I'm right at the beginning of this, basically. So people who are listening to this episode practically live are going to look at my site and go like, I don't see any of this here yet. And people who listen to this a year from now are going to look at the site and like, ah, that's, that's what brought them here. Uh, I'm basically teaching from here are the skills that you likely need right now. Here's, here's how we work with WooCommerce to produce a membership site where we can sell subscriptions and lock everything down in this sort of fashion. Um, so we start with this sort of end project in mind and backfill all of the lessons that we need so that somebody can start from having never worked with WooCommerce, never done anything with subscriptions, to having this super well-powered membership site, for example. Nice. Um... Have you ever heard of the concept of the capital T of knowledge or deep T, something like that? Yes. When you're talking about knowing a little bit about a lot of things, it made me think of that because I think of you in this way. I feel this way myself in terms of what I know about like 
I, I have my segment of stuff that I'm really knowledgeable about, and that's like the the vertical portion of a capital T of my knowledge base. And then yeah. you kind of span out the horizontal version of that T, and that's like all the other stuff that you know about. And I think it's good to have that big horizontal portion of the T, but like it's also good to have that particular area where you really bring your expertise. So for you, the the big portion of that T would be like just raw technology side of things, or would you say it's something different? Man, I used to think that it was development. And and for people who still aren't picturing this concept, the, the idea is you can specialize in a certain area of experience and go really deep in there, like a taproot, like a carrot, or you can spread your knowledge out very shallow, but across a wide surface, like trees that grow... Um, near a riverbank. And the idea is that the optimal place to go is to have something that looks like a T, where you have a nice shallow surface area of, of lots of things that you know well enough to understand them, and then something that just goes super deep that you understand better than practically anybody else. And I think where I'm at now is I've got lots of deeper shoots. I'd say <laughs> that my the, the deepest one is probably still technology and, and development because that's where I spend most of my attention. But directly beside those, uh, still quite deep, are now my understanding of, of problem solving. So, so maybe actually my, my deepest route is – deepest route is – uh, is understanding problems. Mm. I have this knack for hearing somebody speak about something and and getting past just like, well, here are the pain points I'm experiencing all the way back to here's the the impetus. Here's what's actually causing this. So what you need is not what you've asked for. This will solve your pain, but that's treating a symptom. Let's get back to the cause here. Let's let's treat that. So would you say that's kind of generalizing what's been your your best skill and like pulling that out and applying it to more stuff, basically? Yeah, basically. And that, that adapts really well to technology because I can It sounds see. like bug hunting to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually. That, that was my favorite part when I was first learning to program. Of course, also the most frustrating, right? You, you put something on a page and it doesn't work and you go, why? Why is this not working? Let me see if I can figure this out. Aha, I've solved it. Oh, but here's another problem. How does this work? Ah, I've solved that. And uh, applying that to a career in development, the, the most profitable people that I know are able to apply that to how they work with their clients and with their customers. They see what their customers are struggling with and they provide a solution to that. Uh, and it's not enough to just be able to technically solve their problem because lots of people can, can write the technology to solve a problem. It's their ability to explain the solution, to convey it in a way that their customers and clients can understand. And so the, the pitches that we won when I was writing them at CrowdFavorite and helping out at Web Dev Studios, I believe we won not just because we could demonstrate here's the technology that we can, we can produce, but here's how well we understand your problem and here's why we're going to go this way and solve it in this manner. It's the why I think that sold it really well more than the how or the what. So let's pull this back to uh, WordPress and WP Sessions. What made you want to take this knowledge and take the things you've learned over the years and give it to other people? Like, why not just continue on either working for other development agencies or start your own or whatever? Like, why why did you go the education route? Yeah, well, the easy answer for that is because I'm selfish. <laughs> I, I started the site because there were things that I didn't know, and I was very frustrated. Let's see, so I started it almost five years ago now. So I was 
nearly 15 years into my career, and there were still these fundamental things that I didn't know, because I don't have a CS degree, I don't, I don't have a background in, in science in any capacity. And so I'm just mad, right? I'm like, how do I not know how to do this thing yet? I should just find somebody and pay them for an hour to just sit down and spend their, their billable hour explaining to me in a way that I can understand this. I'm like, oh, that's a really good idea. And I know that my dummy coworkers, uh, or rather my awesome coworkers, are as dumb <laughs> as I am. Uh, so they would benefit from this as well. And I bet lots of other people would too. And so I launched this site where I could pay other smart people to come and present, and all of us benefit. They benefit because they're getting paid for their, their, you know, their normal billable hour um, or more. And the rest of us benefit because we're learning stuff that we would otherwise not learn. And it sort of meshed with the problem I was having of wanting to attend every WordCamp ever or every other conference ever and not having the capital, you know, to spend $1,000, $2,000 to get to all of these things. This way I could just pay a smaller amount and bring the person directly to me. Uh, and then as it grew and I realized I have more things to share uh, and this desire to multiply myself to find more people with this cross-section of skills that I have or else produce them so that I can flood the market um, – Right there's there's only one of me. So even if I were to do all of the stuff myself, if I were to start an agency, which is not something I'm interested in doing, or if I were to just run a a one man dev shop for as long as I could, there's a finite amount of things that I could produce in that time. But if I could train a hundred people or a thousand people to to have more skills to be able to do the same things, then there's you know a hundred a thousand x more things that I can help produce, which is very compelling to me. That makes sense to me. Um, so let's bring things over to the WordPress side of things. Uh, this is all WordPress centric and uh, you're helping people become more knowledgeable about WordPress. So obviously you are, uh, I assume, pretty bullish on the long-term possibilities for WordPress itself, huh? I am. Yeah, My at the moment, my business is fairly closely tied to the success of WordPress. And so I expect that it will continue to survive and thrive in the years to come. How do you think WordPress has been transitioning, if at all? Like maybe this is just me, but like, how do you think WordPress is changing in terms of its own identity now, yeah. from where it was, you know, back when it was just becoming a CMS, and now it's firmly a CMS? Like everybody believes WordPress is a great CMS, but um, we're having a, a. To me, it feels like maybe we're having a new transition. So I, I'm yeah. curious your thoughts on that. I think the the great modifier there is hotly debated, right? Lots of people yeah. believe that WordPress is a CMS. Not a very many people CMS. believe it's a great one. And so there's still quite a bit of education around, like, here's why it's good for these problems that you're having. And sometimes being honest, right, like, this isn't a good fit for this thing here. And it's definitely not just you, right? We've all observed that WordPress has sort of been changing and morphing, uh, whether it's intentional or not, in in the sphere of public opinion. So it was a fork of B2 and intended to be for blogging. People who wrote blogs wanted to have static pages, so it got static pages. People realized, wow, now I could use this for virtually any website. And then with plugins and everything else, it's expanded to be virtually anything. And throughout this, uh, the core team behind WordPress has been framing and positioning WordPress as a publishing platform, right? a way to democratize publishing. And I love that concept because it's... It's really universal, right? You could build virtually anything and say, well, this is a publishing platform. And whether it's a CMS or a blog or a web app, right? It's a way to publish something to somebody. Uh, and I think all of the transition that we've seen over the last few years, gaining you know, WPCLI, gaining the REST API, 
gaining uh, a whole swath of e-commerce sites through EDD and WooCommerce and all of the other e-commerce plugins that preceded it, and now gaining into core this Gutenberg editor, uh, which is the result of lots of people wanting an experience like this, um, as demonstrated by the litany of visual layout editors that exist. Um, what we're seeing is this shift of publishing different kinds of content and publishing content in different ways. The REST API lets anybody produce a custom interface for publishing a very specific kind of content. Um, E-commerce plugins let people publish product-based contents, right? Gutenberg and the other visual layout editors allow people to have a more realistic interpretation of what their site is going to look like. And each time some new tech has come in, each time we change somebody's workflow, there's this uh, small but loud minority of people like, this is going to be the end. This is, this is marking the beginning of the end for WordPress. And it's like, well, I don't think so. And... Um, and even if things changed so substantially that people didn't want to use the core WordPress product anymore, right? It's open source, and so much of it can get forked and become something new, right? If, if the existing product and all of the people maintaining it were to go away, new people would rise up and, and produce something, just like when Matt and Mike and Alex and everybody else who started WordPress uh, forked it from B2, so, that would be a, quite an event that I don't think is on the horizon, but uh, no, that me would neither. certainly be interesting. Yeah, before we go, case scenario if it did, sure. Yeah. There's so many ways around it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, its uh, ability to survive is strong in some form or fashion. Uh, before we go further, I want to take a second to thank our sponsor for the episode, which is Valet. Hope people know Valet, but you can go to valet.io to learn more. Uh, Valet offers strategy and development services for websites. They also offer maintenance plans uh, that are ongoing. The team of Valet is really great. Mason James is the founder and CEO, Kim Pari, the chief of operations. They are a wonderful team that's been doing great stuff with WordPress stuff for a really long time. Um, they are really passionate about providing quality ongoing WordPress support. Uh, so they don't just help you get the site going. They help you maintain it for the long run, which is what I really love. People that are keeping uh, their clients engaged for a long period of time. That's something that I think is needed in WordPress websites. And Valet does that extremely well. So I'm really happy to have Valet as a, a partner for Post Status. And you can go to valet.io to learn more. Thank you, Valet, for being a partner of Post Status. So... Uh, assuming WordPress is not going to have a fork anytime soon, what are some things that you're really excited about? And maybe it can include Gutenberg or we can say sans Gutenberg, um, because I feel like a lot of development energy is certainly around Gutenberg right now. Um, but what are you looking at currently with kind of the state of WordPress that excites you? Yeah, so I am... Uh, in the camp that Gutenberg is going to be a good thing for WordPress. There are a lot of people complaining like, this is going to mess up so many custom interfaces that we made. And that is true. And that that definitely sucks. Uh, but your customers don't have to upgrade. And when they upgrade, they can continue to use the classic editor. And because it's open source, you can continue to fork things and change things. So it's not like Gutenberg becomes a mandated way to to produce content. It's but just, it'll eventually be the standard. Like when you create new WordPress right. websites, you're going to use Gutenberg. So it's Bingo. a smaller and smaller number of sites over time that are upset that whatever they're accustomed to went away and there's some new thing there, right? Exactly, yeah. I'd say that the, the projects that are 
going to have the worst experience with this are the ones that are in active development right now, right? Any, any project that's going to be launched in the next couple of months um, or that's being started in the next couple of months where you're actively building it while Gutenberg is being actively developed and you launch this new site and then a couple months later, now we've got a new core editor in WordPress. Uh, well, they so, could be doing that development with Gutenberg, but if let's say that ship has sailed and they can't really they can't really go back and redo everything with Gutenberg right now for whatever reason. Uh, that's the kind of scenario you're talking about, right? So right, something exactly. brand new and already on antiquated technology. Yep. And I personally wouldn't want to have my team necessarily building things for Gutenberg today because. There, it's still a, a moving target, right? You don't necessarily know. Things are pretty firmed up at this point, and odds are better than not that you could be working and building things for your client sites right now for Gutenberg, and everything's going to mesh together nicely in a few months uh, or you know, however long it takes to merge. But something fundamental could still change, and then you have to go back and do some rework. So I would say no matter what, you should be planning for some rework. You should be educating your clients to say, this th- change is coming, it's okay that you don't have it immediately, and this was not part of what we had budgeted for your project. The, the biggest problem here is education and explaining to your clients, here's what's coming, here's why you do or do not have it, here's why it will or will not cost you more money, because nobody wants to be surprised. And so you don't want to just wait for them to discover it on their own, and they come to you and say, like, oh, no, my site's broken, you just built it, fix it for me for free. And you have to say, like, oh, well, actually, I can't fix it for you for free because... It's going to take me this long to do it, which is as long as I spent on the project in the first place. Or uh, I, I will fix it for free because I feel bad. And now you're burning tons and tons of hours. So it's it's just like this small cross-section of, of projects. Yeah, so this that, is by far not like a majority of websites that are have these major pains, you don't think? I don't think so, no. Like any sites that were launched anytime last year or older should have no expectation that the super custom thing that was built for them should work perfectly in a completely brand new restructured interface. Uh, and the effort's ongoing to um, either in the core itself or probably through custom third-party implementations to essentially merge uh, some common functionality that you're used to with the previous editor with the new editor, right? Like it's Bingo. not like there's nothing being built to accommodate existing websites, assuming they are using like standard WordPress APIs, for instance. Right, or super popular libraries, right? If you're using CMB2 or any of the other different uh, custom field management solutions for creating your meta boxes and things like that, I know that all of those teams have a keen eye on Gutenberg and are working on the way to best possible, to have the best possible integration once it launches. And I know the Gutenberg team is also looking for the way to best accommodate these things because they are realists like me and they know that not everybody is going to be 100% ready and converted for all of this new stuff the day that it releases. It's just Im- impossible to have such an expectation that everybody would be ready on day one. Uh, but Gutenberg really is the biggest uh, fundamental change to the way we think about publishing with WordPress in quite some time, right? Because this, oh, whole, sure. this whole movement to blocks and away from, I don't even know what you call it, like uh, content 
in its historical sense um, is certainly different. And initially, that's just looking at it in the sense of uh, being a it, within the previous editor area, so like the content. But over time, this will be much more dynamic. So like blocks that can change on a per page basis, and it doesn't replace the content area, it replaces the sidebar or who, who knows what. So you, you've now created like an order of magnitude growth of dynamic modules on a website, potentially. So the customizability of every page becomes much greater. Yeah. And I think in the long run, the usability of creating each of those pages gets tremendously better. I I would say that it is going to be an objectively better experience. And I bet a lot of people would disagree with that statement right now. But yeah. if you think about, uh, let, let's say a super custom layout, let's say, I don't know, let, let's say you're building a recipe site. Right, And so you've got either a plugin or something that you've built yourself that contains all of these custom fields for things that are specific for publishing a recipe, right? All of the ingredients and the quantity and things like that, all of the different steps. You could put those into the content area, but that's not structured data. And if you decide you want a new format for the site, you have to go back and edit every piece of content. And so the solution to date has been, well, I'll create a meta box, a meta box to capture all of these custom fields. And then on the front end, I will arrange those fields in a way that is pleasing for the design. And then if we want to change the design or add new fields, we don't have to go back and edit every single post necessarily. Um, but that's not a great experience either because you can't really see the final layout as you're putting it in. You're just blindly putting content into these rows of text fields or select boxes or what have you. And, I mean, it works. It is a solution to a problem, but it's not the best possible solution. And the inclusion of, of blocks, I think, is going to further enhance the structured data. Some people are concerned, like, well, now that everything's a block and these corporate websites have all of these editors, they're going to ruin the brand and they're not going to follow the structured data uh, that we've set up. And I think that's also false because I believe you'll be able to lock down how you create blocks, what blocks are available, how those blocks can be used. And then you can also create custom blocks that are still structured data uh, for their internals, right? Blocks will have settings. And so you could still have just, here's a list of fields that we need to fill in, hit save, boop, the block populates with what it's going to look like. Hmm. Um, the difference is you get an immediate feedback about how that structured data is going to appear versus having to hit save, go to the front end, refresh the front end, and keep doing that cycle back and forth. So. Yeah, I think a lot of this is going to be people that have been around a while like us re-educating ourselves on what publishing looks like. Exactly. Uh, and, you know, we're curmudgeons and some of us don't like change. Oh, I'd say none of us like change. Even even me who's like, this is going to be awesome. I'm not going to be excited about it when I'm starting to rewrite all of my stuff, yeah. I'll be honest. But I know that in the end, the experience is going to be better. So, Cool. So aside from... Uh, blocks, I'm sure that's going to impact the way you teach and what you teach a great deal. What else are you looking at in terms of things happening in WordPress um, or things that are important in WordPress that we need to be paying attention to right now? Yeah, so I've spent a good portion of my past year or so uh, getting into e-commerce. Right, My site is an e-commerce site. PostStatus is an e-commerce site in addition to a blog. And I've been learning quite a, a, a good deal about that. Uh, so a lot of the stuff I've been thinking about is skewed heavily by that. Uh, but I've also been paying close attention to the things people are doing with the REST API. Or I say close attention. I've been paying some amount of attention. I'm, I'm familiar with what people are doing and, and where things are going. 
And I still think that the REST API holds a lot of seriously huge potential for WordPress that, um, that people are, are perhaps discounting at that point because there wasn't some giant revolution by landing in core. Yeah. And I think people were expecting like a rainbow to pop out uh, and just like all this magic gold spews all over the place, but that's not how things work. You know, you have to build things with it. Yeah. Uh, and I think the, the, the biggest gains are actually in the smallest observable points. Uh, I gave a WordCamp talk, I think it was in Ann Arbor, a couple of years ago, before the REST API actually landed in core. And I was just showing off, here's how you can use the REST API to replace things you're already doing, right? All of the different AJAX things that people are doing where we have to write something custom for every single thing, right? To load, uh, load more posts, to do type ahead suggestions for searches, each of those in the past has required a totally custom solution that now, for the most part, can just be powered in the back end by the REST API. And I think there are serious wins even in just a normal traditional website that someone is building by leveraging this new API. Yeah, and that's not headless WordPress or any of the other things where you get rid of everything. That's just straight up enhancing an existing site. Exactly. And I think we will continue to move towards this concept of a headless WordPress and that is exciting because it, it's enabling people to write interfaces in whatever language they're familiar with on whatever device they prefer and still have something like WordPress, well, in this case, <laughs> context, still have WordPress powering all of the content that they're putting in. So while people haven't been excited or there's you know been sort of a, a blind eye towards turned towards it, I still think that the REST API has quite a bit to offer for the future development of WordPress. Cool. So I assume you'll have uh, sessions on both of these topics over over time to help. You better believe it. Do things the new way, the right way, whatever. Um, so let's close out, I guess, with what are your immediate plans? Like you were talking about things coming to WP sessions, what people could see. What's what's the next uh, three to six months look like for you with WP sessions and that kind of stuff? Yeah, so there's not going to be a lot of exciting stuff landing on the site in these first three months. This is me getting hunkering down and producing a lot of content. But as we get into the spring and into summer, I'll be publishing a lot of the stuff that I'm recording. So uh, right now I'm, I'm sitting down and, and recording tons of tutorials. Uh, right now I'm today specifically wrapping up um, some training for a team for some onboarding materials that I'm helping produce there. Uh, and then after this, uh, in the next couple of weeks, I'm transitioning to producing lots of bite-sized tutorials. Because what I've learned from having operating, uh, having operated WP Sessions for a number of years now, mm. while the presentation format is brilliant for introducing concepts to people, uh, it's not super handy for giving people a tangible way to work with that concept. And so you can come and watch a 40-minute presentation and go like, oh, yeah, I understand why the REST API is useful now. But you're not going to say like, okay, how do I register a custom REST controller for doing this thing? Or right, how do I do this thing with WooCommerce? Or how do I do blank? Um, what I want and what I'm sure many other people want is to show up and be like, okay, how do I do blank? Ah, here's a five-minute video on how to do that. Or here's a transcript with a five-minute video. So I could just read it if I want. Um, and so that's where I'm, I'm shifting gears. That's what I'm focusing on is producing lots of bite-sized bits, five-minute, 10-minute, 15-minute videos to demonstrate a single concept and then stringing a bunch of those together to form courses, to form you know, entire categories of knowledge. And so these next three months are going to be spent producing those, releasing some of them as ready, but a lot of them in bulk at the end. 
And then the rest of the year is producing a combination of those and continuing to produce live sessions because I think both are useful. That's really exciting. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, of course, through the podcast and other ways, people will be able to see how we can uh, further collaborate and work together and whatever. And so people should see plenty of uh, WP sessions here in the future. Uh, Brian, this is fun. I'm really excited about you being uh, a regular participant on the podcast. Me too, man. It's going to be fun. Uh, yeah, it is. We're going to have a good time. We'll, we'll get to kind of the news of the week and whatever other specific topics we decide to cover uh, here in, in the coming weeks. And then, of course, um, we'll still have other interviews with people and Brian may be on some of those, may not. It just kind of depends on what things look like. But I'm excited to be kind of back in the seat with the podcast and looking forward to talking to you on a regular basis. And I appreciate all our listeners sticking with us and uh, we will see you next time. Oh, actually, where do people go to like follow you and that kind of stuff, you know, because they need to stay up to date. Yeah, or to follow us, right? So this has been the Post Status uh, Draft Podcast. You can learn more about that at poststatus.com. My stuff is at wpsessions.com. My Twitter handle is Risen, but it's spelled R-Z-E-N. And there's also WP Sessions on Twitter, and there's also Post Status on Twitter, which is post underscore status. Uh, Or you can follow Krogsgard on Twitter as well, at Krogsgard. Awesome, you did it for me. Appreciate it, buddy. And we will uh, see everybody next time. Have a good one. Yep, see you, bud.